The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello everybody and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And here we are on another weird Thursday. Hope everyone else out there is keeping it weird. Am I right, gamers? <laughs> All right. Um, hey, Dylan. What? What are we talking about this week? Fuck you, Sam. I can't talk right now. I can't breathe. <laughs> well, now that I've murdered my co-host, um, we're going... <laughs> this week, or this, this today, we are going to be talking about Getting into new games. This is, uh, I guess, Thursday's kind of taking on the tack of being less about, like, the analytical theater side, more about just, like, chatting. Yeah, we, I, we... I figure we're, we're doing these, like, half episodes anyway, and the kind of weird stretch of, I was gonna say, the decade, and then I realized, oh, this is the start of the yeah, decade. It's, it's, been, it's been four months, my dude. Oh, <laughs> you sure it hasn't been another decade? It's I'm not, not 2030? I'm really not. But anyway... Uh, we're going to be talking about getting into new games and what, I guess, the the experience of trying new genres for the first time and what might draw someone to that. Because we've, I think, both kind of been doing that recently. Yeah, yeah. Dylan, you, you, you suggested this topic, so why don't you kick us off? What have you been playing that's outside of the Dylan Gregory comfort zone? So, uh, in the last episode, I talked about playing Animal Crossing a bit. And yeah, uh, outside of, like playing a bit of Harvest Moon A Wonderful Life for the GameCube back in, like, middle school. I I never really... I, I don't really play a lot of those uh, life simulator games. It, it's not that, like, I need the urgency, but it, I guess it's just that, like, you know, my interest is only held for so long and then I burn myself out. But Animal Crossing has been really fun. Um, also, I recently got Doom 64 for my Nintendo Switch because it was $5, and I've played a little bit of the first couple Doom games. Um, Ooh, how was how that, really play, I don't really play a lot of first-person shooters, and I guess, like, it's kind of weird because, like, this is a style of first-person shooter that hasn't really been in vogue since the 90s. Um, but, but not, not if Doom not 2016 and, was, tw- and Doom Eternal had say, anything to say about it. I was about to say not including, like, the... it's. It's not a reboot, is it? It's like a No, it is it is a it is a continuation, I think. I don't I don't really know the deep doom lore. I'll 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 call it a soft reboot because yeah. that makes the most sense to me. But yeah, uh outside of like a little bit of experience with like Wolfenstein, um the god, which one is it? The New Order? That's what, the one what, that came out that was like the first current gen Wolfenstein. And then yeah, New Colossus that, the was the I more played. recent. I, I haven't played I haven't played New Colossus yet. I want to, um, but I have to. I have to beat New Order first. Yeah, but like o- outside of like a little bit of that, and I don't really count Dishonored. Dishonored's more of like a stealth game to me. Yeah. Um, like I've I've never really been able to get into first person shooters all that much. 
Like, the most time I've spent with any shooter was playing Star Wars Battlefront with friends, even though I owned a copy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, I'm going down the list right now. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, I got into Doom because I, I really enjoyed the aesthetic of Doom. Like, that 2.5D style that makes me think of PS1 RPGs like Final Fantasy Tactics, Grandia, yeah. Wild Arms 2. Xenogears like I, I I really love games that like put 2D sprites in like a 3D polygonal environment and that's part of the reason why I got Doom 64 and another part was I just I generally like the speed of Doom from my limited experience playing the originals like that's always been something so I started playing it and now I'm I'm fucking in it um yeah and I yeah, I, I'm I'm fucking in it now. Uh, I I'm playing on the hardest difficulty available, and I'm just having a blast. And I'm like, all right, I did get a uh, Ion Fury the other the other day. Um, by the other day, I mean last year, back when it was on early access. <laughs> but I I hadn't really played it because after the game's release, like some shitty things came out about like about like some of the people behind the game and so I just I didn't have the heart to play it but I was like all right I already paid for it I might as well I'm having enough fun with Doom 64 and so now I'm looking at like all these other 90s shooters I'm like looking into Quake I'm looking into Blood I'm looking into like all these fast high octane so like I guess what I what I was thinking what I why I'm bringing this up right now is because I went from this being a genre I had like next to no interest in to like I wouldn't say I'm actively following shooters now, but like I've definitely kind of steeped myself into the history of a genre I previously had no interest in. Yeah. And I, I guess like that's just kind of an interesting topic of discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And I I've been getting that a little bit. I recently started playing uh 2016's Doom, largely mm -hmm. because uh our friend Coop loves it and has been singing its praises. And I was like, you know, I heard I've heard enough good things about this. I'm gonna pick it up while it's on sale. Mm -hmm. Um I don't consider that as much a, like, brand new genre for me as Doom 64 is for you, because, like, I'm also not the biggest first-person shooter fan, but I played a lot of, like, Half-Life, Half-Life 2 when I was mm. younger, which are not exactly the same, but definitely fall closer to the Doom and Quake world of shooters than they do, like, the Call of Duties. Yeah, well, Half-Life 1 was made in the Quake engine, I think. Yeah, it was. Uh, and it's to this day, one of my favorite games. It's so good. But, like, I I hadn't been into a game like that in a long time, and so I, I feel you on, like, discovering that joy. But I guess, what is it for you that was the turning point? Because it sounds like, like you said, you went, you kind of 180'd completely on this whole genre of games. Um, I guess it's, like, it's, it's a combination of a couple things. It was always, like, whenever I played first-person shooters, I had fun playing them, but, like, not enough to, like, actually sink my own amount of time in it. I think, for me, it was, like, a combination of, like, presentation. Like, mecha mechanically, uh, there, a lot of what I like about, you know, something like Doom uh, reminds me of... I guess I also... I, pl I played a lot of Resident Evil 4, which is not... I, I wouldn't classify that as, like, a shooter in the same vein as Doom or anything. But I guess, like, there was enough overlap there that I was able to make the jump. Yeah, um, that makes sense and I, to me. And I, I, I guess it's like, I guess what's interesting to me is just this idea that like, I was able to take like a couple things I liked about other genres. Like, I guess like what I was saying, like what attracted me to Doom originally was my love for PS1 JRPGs. Which is a wild jump to make. 
Which is a, yeah, that's a crazy jump to make. But I, I think there's something about to be said about, like, being able to make a jump from, like, one genre to the next because of, like, I guess a commonality in artistic or, like, the, the artistry that comes from limitation. Yeah. And I guess, like, if you can find one thing that appeals to you and, like, you're thinking, okay, I like this enough that, like, maybe I'll give it a shot just to kind of see how that erupts or I not like explodes yeah uh, I mean that that to me is very reminiscent of like my recent interest in fighting games yeah and like, I guess that's what I was gonna bring up like you know I, I guess like people always say I find it hard to get into fighting games it's just kind of this thing of like well find an aesthetic you like find a find something and then like that'll it'll grow from that sorry exactly like I I'm still far from being good at fighting games but like in the last six months Thanks to basically entirely thanks to Arc System Works, I have <laughs> like I picked up Dragon Ball Fighters because as dumb as Dragon Ball Z is, I I love those character designs and I love the way that Arcs has handled them. And so that has kind of been my gateway drug, and I've recently been playing some of uh the King of Fighters 2002 Unlimited, which Dylan bought me for Christmas, and I I've been eyeballing Oh, uh, what's the new Arxis game? Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. Again, yeah, basically yeah. entirely on the back of the character designs because I don't know anything about Grand Blue Fantasy. <laughs> but it's like it it can be really helpful. I don't even know if helpful's right, but like the it can be as little as finding that one thing in a genre that appeals to you. And then suddenly it's like, oh, I'm in it. Yeah, yeah. And I guess like to to go back to Animal Crossing real quick, like last last week uh monday when listeners are gonna listen to this you, you know what i'm trying to say yeah uh i was talking about how i got into animal crass animal crass <sighs> how i got into animal crossing from um a side activity i enjoyed doing in breath of the wild and i think like i don't know i, I guess like what i wanted to talk about like when i introduced this topic was just kind of this idea of different takes on video games like when when i think of animal crossing i think of like just exploring a village in pokemon because i was stuck but i still enjoyed talking to every npc and just going to like into all the buildings and like admiring the detail they put into certain scenery this is a very navel gazy episode and i yeah. apologize <laughs> if that's not people's things uh but i i, I guess it was i don't know yeah and i mean i have also been playing some Animal Crossing New Horizons recently, and it is my first real foray into that series. I'd played a little bit of Animal Crossing for the GameCube back when I was a kid. I would rent it for like a weekend. Um, but like that whole genre of games had never really clicked for me. Like I liked Stardew Valley and I liked Harvest Moon, but I was never really able to be like fully invested in it in the way that some people are. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I would play a lot for a couple days and then I'd kind of lose steam on it and I'd go off to play something else. Animal Crossing New Horizon. And maybe this is entirely a product of one peer pressure because all of my friends have it and have been talking about it. <laughs> right, right. And two, like the current, you know, situation of the world where I'm kind of stuck in my apartment a lot more than I'm used to being. And so it's nice to have something I can like, you know, I boot it up and do my raccoon chores for a half hour before work. And I think that's one of the things I like about Animal Crossing. It's a, it's a game that I don't feel like I need to strap myself in to start up. Yeah. 
and then I start playing, and then I'm like, oh, but I found another fossil. Oh, but I that that's a bug I don't think I've seen before. Oh, but I'm only um, a thousand bells away from paying off my loan. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Um, and that's how they get you. Yeah, that's how that <laughs> damn raccoon works his magic. <laughs> uh, actually, um, he's a tanuki. I'm I actually don't know. Poop. I don't know if he's a tanuki. I think I think a... he is. I think Wait, that's why his, his name is Tom, Tom Nook. Nook. Oh my god. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> you just, that hit you hard right now. Nook, you magnificent son of a bitch. <laughs> Man, Uncut Gems 2 is coming along great. <laughs> uh, I guess one, one more genre that I've recently been getting into uh, in a way that I never expected. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, Dylan, you know how you've been trying to get me to play Phoenix Wright forever? Yeah. I've been playing Phoenix Wright recently. Yeah. And that has got me just like, I don't want to go so far as to say that I have done to visual novels what you have done to shooters. <laughs> but like, I've really been enjoying Phoenix Wright, and I've started playing a little bit of uh, the Danganronpa games that Coop gave us. That Coop gave us, that I still need to play. Ago. And I, <laughs> I, I bought you, Dream Daddy, the dad I dating... I saw you playing that the other day. Yeah, the dad dating sim visual novel made by the Game Grumps team because I wanted to be able to play it with my fiancé because she'd been talking about it. And, like, again, I'm not going to say I've gotten, like, deep into the visual novel scene because that would be a bold-faced lie. Right. But, man, they're charming. There's something... Yeah. Like... And again, I don't think it's a kind of it's a kind of game that I'm going to like start tracking down every visual novel out there. But no. especially when you just want something to just kind of like chill out and play for a half hour or an hour, booting up some Phoenix Wright or booting up some Dream Daddy is like very zen and very just like I want to hear a story and have like right, a little right. bit of something to do in making that happen. But really I just I just want to like read a book with some limited voice acting. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I can't really speak much uh, for you, but I think one of my favorite things about Phoenix Wright is just like, or I, I can't speak for other visual novels is what mm-hmm. I should have said, but like, what I love about Phoenix Wright is just like, the amount of personality they stuff into a character you're probably only going to see for like one chapter. Oh yeah, no, they, uh, and I, I feel like I plug this channel that is wildly more successful than us like every two episodes, but um... Oh, yeah, yeah, we were talking about this episode. Yeah, uh, New Frame Plus, the kind of gaming animation analysis channel led by Dan Floyd, uh, did a recent episode on the use of animation in Phoenix Wright and the way that, like, most of the models in Phoenix Wright, at least in the older versions when they were still using 2D sprites, have, you know, no more than 50 poses total and that's including all of the like blinking and like minor transition poses Mm -hmm. but they use them so well and they manage to make each of those poses so distinct and so perfectly exaggerated like in the first ever case of phoenix Wright, uh when you finally like break the resolve of the main witness who actually committed the murder his fucking toupee flies off as his eyes go white and he starts foaming at the mouth and the toupee (laughs) hits phoenix in the face and it's so perfectly cartoony and it's wonderful yeah and like that is a level of fidelity that a lot of not very many visual novels get to but like speaking of dream daddy uh the Mm -hmm. one of the first interactions you have with another character uh you get into a bragging about your daughter off with another dad and it plays like a pokemon battle 
Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah, it opens up a full-on, like, Game Boy Color, or not even Game Boy Color, original Game Boy pixel screen, and you have to pick between Brag, Item, Daughter, spelled D-G-H-T-R, and Run, and you have to, like, whittle down your opponent's HP by bragging about your daughter, and it's incredible. (laughs) And, like... Visual novels are kind of uniquely situated where, like, there's so little gameplay and there's so little there by default that you can sprinkle in, like, little touches here and there that will have a bit a way bigger impact than they ever would in a more traditional game. I don't know. It's interesting. And it's, it's, I think that's one of the things that I really like about, tr- like, finding myself branching out into these new genres is I'm, I'm noticing elements of the design in them that I'd never considered before that I think is really cool. I I think that's kind of getting to the heart of like what I wanted to talk about is just like, there's something exciting about discovering a new genre because it kind of puts back into perspective what you like about the genres that you find comfortable. Yeah. You know, in in like in this case that you were just saying with, with dream daddy, I feel like it, it like that feels like a very paper Mario thousand year door esque it really like, does. Set I, piece. I, I, it would never like Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door never goes that completely off the rails of like its own mechanics, but that is definitely in the spirit of something they would do. Yeah, and I I, I guess that's that's what I'm because I I feel like sometimes people limit themselves to one genre so oh, much yeah. where they they hundred percent you know this isn't calling anyone out specifically. I'm just using this as a base example, but like, oh yeah, I played Final Fantasy VII back in 1997 and it blew my fucking mind and now all I play is JRPGs and they're never going to be as good as the original Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> um, you know, this is a hypothetical person. I want to yeah, reiterate yeah. that. But like, you know, what was it you liked about Final Fantasy VII? Was it the use of FMVs? Because, I mean, you should... Or, like, the pre-rendered backgrounds, because, you know, you can check out Grim Fandango, Resident Evil might be your thing. You know, and like, just shit like that. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm guilty of it as well. I'll find myself, like, arguably my two favorite, like, broad gameplay genres are turn-based tactics games and Metroidvanias. Mm-hmm. And I own a lot of both of those on Steam and on my Switch. And so I'll find myself, like, I don't want to even call it a rut, but I'll, I'll catch myself at times as being like, Wow, the only games I've played in the last week have been like XCOM 2, BattleTech, and Invisible Ink, all of which are turn-based isometric tactics games. <laughs> and so that's kind of when I catch myself and go like, no, you know what? I'm gonna open up Papers, please, or I'm gonna play a case of Phoenix Wright, or I'm gonna try, I'm gonna start a new save file in Pyre, the three-on-three f- extreme fantasy basketball game. I still need to play that because oh, it's it so looks good. Sick. It's exquisite. But like, I I think that branching out and trying new genres can be a good way of like you were saying kind of recontextualizing what it is you like about some of your favorite games because maybe you'll stumble upon like huh i never considered that this thing i really love in all of these turn-based rpgs i play could be used in this other way in something like a real-time strategy game or a moba or something like that Mm -hmm. i don't know there's 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 avenues of overlap in the ways that games work that you're not going to be fully aware of if you allow yourself to not even necessarily get stuck in the same genre, but allow yourself to say like, oh, no, I don't enjoy that kind of game. Or, yeah, I guess it's like if you're playing, for example, Persona 5, trying to recapture the magic of Final Fantasy 7, you could instead play, I don't know, like literally anything else. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's just kind of like, uh, what am I trying to say here? I know what I'm trying to say, but I'm trying to find yeah. the words for it. 
I think one of the the greatest things about games is how you know they 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 tell stories and the 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 way they tell stories is not unique to any one mechanic or one genre yeah. um it's you, the the relationship you have with the game is going to be on your inputs and how those inputs engage with you um and the scenarios that people provide you with and so i i, I guess like like I said, very navel gazy episode. <laughs> uh, Sometimes we need that. Yeah, like I, I'm not, I'm not regretting this topic at all. I'm th- thoroughly enjoying this episode. That's actually just a chill conversation yeah. between the <laughs> two of us. Um, but I, I think, sorry, it's like it's like a really weird nebulous thing I'm trying to to touch. And if you can help me out, any, I would appreciate I, it. I mean, I th- I think I'm I'm getting it. You're kind of arguing that like the thing that you like about your favorite game, you the listener out there enjoying this might not be the things you assume it it is like you yeah. it might be who knows maybe you have a deep and a deep and abiding love for all things 3D platformer and it's just because you love the challenge of navigating 3D space maybe mm-hmm. but there are there are so many different moving parts in games and in particular in the way that like we engage with games and the way that games ask us to be engaged that you're always going to gain a greater appreciation if you branch out and try new things. Yeah. And like, maybe you won't like it. Like I know full well that multiplayer shooters are not my cup of tea. I've, Mm -hmm. I've tried them. I played them with friends. I've had fun playing them with friends. I recently uninstalled overwatch on my computer because I needed the hard drive space. And I just realized (laughs) that man, as much as I love these characters and I love as much as I love this aesthetic and like all of the things about Overwatch aesthetically, it's just not for me. But playing Overwatch gave me a greater appreciation for some of the things I enjoy about like, just to pull an example out, playing things like Half-Life and Doom. It's cool to see these ideas that were established in one of my favorite games of all time, Half-Life 1, being turned kind of on their ear and iterated on all the way up to something like overwatch. And I don't know, it's, it's interesting seeing the parallels there in something like Phoenix, Wright And playing that and thinking like, huh, the way this game is handling the animations and the, and the character performances reminds me a lot of iconoclasts and the way that iconoclast does it reminds me of Mario. And suddenly I'm like tying together all of these games I've enjoyed through this, like one aesthetic thing that they all share even though they're wildly different kinds of games. Yeah. I don't know. Games are cool, man. Everybody yeah. go play games. I, this was a good episode. I, I really fun. had fun. Hell yeah. Uh, and I hope I you think, had fun, I think audience. It's... Yeah, there we go. And we'll hope that you continue to have fun with us and without us until we talk to you again on Monday. So thank you for listening to Backstage Gaming. Please remember that wherever you're getting our show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on the Google Play Store, you leave a rating, you leave a review, and you tell everyone everyone there it is about it also if you want to know more about us or you want to get in touch with us you can head to our website bsgpod.com it's got a contact form if you want to reach out to us it's got bios about me and dylan it's got info about the show you should go check it out Ah, social media you can find us on facebook (laughs) on twitter (laughs) sorry uh you can find us on facebook uh on twitter our handle is at bsg underscore cast handle 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 Hansel? Did I say Handel? You did say Handel. Oh no! Our George Frederick Handel. Handel?
No, I hope people know this is like a Looney Tunes bit and God, not just us losing like our fucking most, minds. I don't know why that is one of the most esoteric Looney Tunes bits, and yet it is never not in my head. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. If you want to talk to us and ask us what the fuck is this Handel shit about, you can use the hashtag BSGpod. Um, also, huge, huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for the key art he has provided our show. Um, if you dig his stuff, you can check out the rest of his stuff at his Squarespace, brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is b-r-e-n-n-e-n-french.squarespace.com. Or you can also find him on his Instagram at instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts. And you can also find him on Twitter with his handle being at brennan underscore french. You should also go show some love to our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio, Volume 1, Instrumentality. He's a great musician, great composer, great uh, producer, and you can find all of his music by going to soundcloud.com slash BioQuery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or by searching for BioQuery on Spotify. Thank you, as always, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great network full of video game-related podcasts. If you like video game development or fandom or news or analytical stuff like we tend to do, go check them out. There's a show for you. You can find them on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork. Thank you also to our patrons whose fault this is. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash bsgpod, and we appreciate each and every one of you who helps us not lose money making this dumb show. And if you like us and want to help us do this show more and do it better, the best way to support us is to go to patreon.com slash bsgpod. Thank you. And thank you for listening, and we hope that you enjoyed this, and we'll talk to you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye now. I love you. Are you keeping that in? Probably. (laughs) 